Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Prosperity by the Pine. Long time no see. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. Feels like I've been a while since, uh, it's been a while since I've done that, and it has been due to COVID-19, coronavirus. And so would it even be a podcast with beer if I was not drinking a Corona light? I would have a regular Corona, but unfortunately my options are a little bit limited with uh, all but non-essential purchases being uh, pushed through. So the beer selection on the next couple episodes may be very vanilla and plain, but we're going to make the best of a bad situation. So cheers. Tastes like summer. This week's episode is all about the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, the CARES Act. It was signed on March 27th by President Trump and is a $2 trillion, that's a lot of zeros, $2 trillion economic stimulus package meant to support help support individuals, small businesses, airlines, and other industries that are impacted by the total shutdown of our economy. Since my last episode, things have changed a lot. Now, you guys have to remember, I often record two or three episodes at a time, which during this time period is a little bit problematic because since I recorded my last episode two or three weeks ago, the world has changed a lot. In the state of Michigan, we're under stay-at-home orders. Um, many states across the country have done that. The cases in New York have skyrocketed. People are dying. The markets have been all over the place, down and then back up again some more. And uh, we've you know, entered a bear market officially, and we, according to some people, exited it. We did not exit the bear market. And, of course, Congress got together and actually did something amazing, amazing and unprecedented that they did something. A bipartisan bill. Um, don't love everything in it. And uh, I, I certainly don't love government um, excess spending of cash that we don't have. But there are desperate times that call for desperate measures. And this is one of those things. If you remember from one of my episodes a while back, maybe last week or the or last episode of the episode before that, I said, and I quote, during times of economic depression or recession, a government is supposed to run a budget deficit. You're supposed to tax people less and spend more money, help support the people, get them through the recession, get them through the depression, and that will lead to the economy recovering. One of my problems that we have here is that we've we've been on a 10-year economic growth cycle. Now, the first couple of years of that, we were still recovering from the Great Recession, but we've been on an economic recovery since the financial crisis. The problem is we were still running a budget deficit, so we weren't really saving anything for a rainy day. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, lower taxes. We still had some wars going on in Iraq in Afghanistan. But the problem was we weren't saving for the future. So us, me as a financial planner often recommends that people have three months of cash set aside, three months of expenses set aside in cash, a savings account, super liquid stuff for emergencies. If you're a dual income household and if you're a single income household, meaning one breadwinner, six months of cash set aside. The problem is government doesn't abide by that themselves. And much more disappointingly, many corporations do not abide by that principle. The most disappointing of which, obviously, to me, is the airline industry. I'm going to get into the nuts and bolts of this act in a minute, but I got to catch you guys up on a lot of things that are going on right now with how much the world has changed since the last time you got to hear my lovely voice with a new episode. And so you had the airline industry is obviously 
just just obliterated by the economy slowing down, uh, stopping essentially to fight coronavirus. Uh, there's no travel um, that's really non-essential. The country, for all intents and purposes, is on a gigantic pause. And the airline industry has been booming for a better part of this past decade because of the economy, the economy being stronger, people traveling more. The problem is they took 96% of their free cash flow. That's their profits. And you know what they didn't put that towards? They didn't put that towards more comfortable seats. They didn't put that towards a better customer experience. They didn't put that towards nicer airports, nicer airplanes. 96% of their free cash flow, their profit essentially, was spent on buying back their own stock which inflates their stock prices, great for investors, in the short term. But in the long term, it puts them in a position to be weaker against their competition. And ultimately, when shit like this happens and the economy hits a sudden speed bump and the lack of a speed bump, I mean, this thing's more like a, a crater followed by a speed bump, followed by a speed trap, followed by a, a, a passing violation. When it hits something like this, they don't have the cash to withstand it. And the airlines should be ashamed of themselves because they're in a volatile industry. This happens every time we have a recession. And they're also affected by, you know, external activities, right? So like if you think of September 11th, 2001, after that airline business dropped way off and we really didn't even enter a deep recession. It was just people were scared to fly. So all it takes is something outside of their control and throwing a little bit of a recession and the airline industries are screwed. And they said, yeah, all right, instead of saving, we're just going to go ahead and take all of our free cash flow, our profit, and we're going to pay out bonuses and we're going to buy our own stock. Shame on them. I'm disappointed. I really am. Here's the problem. In the CARE Act, there's money to support certain industries like that. We can all argue against or for government spending at, 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 on different things. But one thing that we know is there's certain industries that are essential. We need, as Americans, an economy. We need a healthy airline industry. We need to be able to travel, to conduct tourism, to conduct commerce, to conduct business. And with that healthy airline industry, it helps our economy. The problem is now is shame on these airline companies for not saving, but also shame on us if we don't save them, because if we end up without healthy airlines and a way to travel, that's going to have a much longer, hard-hitting impact on our economy. So I, I'm very frustrated about that situation. Um, there's certain industries I don't think that we need to jump in and save. I don't think we need to jump in and save cruise lines. Let them go bankrupt. Somebody will buy them uh, at a bankruptcy court, the assets, and those cruise ships will still be running, right? Like Disney's sitting on piles of cash. They have cruise lines. If Royal Caribbean goes out of business, who's to say that Disney doesn't buy some of their cruise lines on on you know, auction at bankruptcy and flip those things around to be in princess cruises. Who's to say they're not right. So there's industries that we need and there's industries that we do not need to save. Um, I'm disappointed that we have to save some. I am, um, uh, I'm, I'm okay if we don't save others, but the fact of the matter is there should be some lessons learned from this. I don't know that we learned as many lessons during the Great Depression as we should have. You know, I know we saved the banks and the banks right now are actually in really good shape. So maybe we did learn some lessons. We saved the banks in many cases and they're in good shape. We saved the auto manufacturers in some cases and they're doing okay. I mean, they're, I, I don't I, I think that there's going to be some trouble there, but they're not they're not in the airline business, you know, the airline situation, which is just dire. So some of that stuff is in the CARE Act, but I wanted to talk about 
that in more depth. I didn't plan on spending that much time on, on those items, but it's there. We're going to probably end up bailing out the airline industry, some hotels, and maybe even, you know, the, the, the cruise lines, which I'm not thrilled about. But let's get into the CARE Act. So the, the big thing, the big news to most individuals is what's called recovery rebates. That's what we're calling it anyways. And that is $1,200 checks for most adult Americans, uh, husband and wife, get two $1,200 checks, $500 for each kid. Now, this is phased out based on income amounts, which is a smart thing to do. This is a one-time payment, although I would not be in the slightest bit surprised if they end up doing this again, you know, where there's a, there's a stimulus to, you know, 2.0 individual stimulus 2.0 being talked about in Congress. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing multiple sets of these payments. So $1,200 for individuals, $2,400 for married couples and $500 for each kid. The phase out is essentially starts for a married filing jointly household at 150,000. So if you make 150,000 to 200,000, you get less than the full amount. But uh, if you make less than 150000 you get that full amount based on either 2018 or 2019 tax return, whichever ones you filed, and likely will have to be refunded if it's paid to people that make too much based on their 22, uh, 2020 tax return. Um, also for, for, eight, for that's so 150000 that's for married filing jointly. For individuals, it's 75000 is the income threshold, and that starts to phase out. And so... This is huge. I mean, this is um, this is a big deal. We haven't really done anything like this. There has been rebate checks sent out. Beer break. Need a been ranting and raving here. Got to cool myself down a little bit. Disappointed. I don't have any limes for my Corona. Anyways, we haven't really done anything like this to this scale. We've done rebate checks before. Uh, Bush did it. Uh, Bush. Bush. Uh, George W. Not H. W. Um, I, I think they did a small pack. I'd have to look, but I think they did a small package during the, um, the great recession. But what is really different about this care act is how much money is going to individuals in the past when we've had to bail out industries or, or, or pump money into the economy. Very rarely have we seen significant portions go into the checks, into the hands of cons- directly into consumers. That's one of the critiques of actually the, the response to the Great Recession is we, we didn't take care of the individual. And so I think this is a really good start. I think more is likely going to be needed. <clears throat> and again, you know, I'm a capitalist at my at heart and I'm not a huge fan of big government. So I'm not really thrilled about us spending a bunch of money, but the way I'm looking at this and maybe call it self-justification is that this is just a return of taxpayer dollars to taxpayers. That's it, right? Um, Now we can talk about some of the bailout stuff being, you know, big government stepping in, but this is nobody's fault. I mean, all of us having to stay home, it's nobody's fault. Um, People are not able to earn income. They still have bills due. Um, there's a lot of companies that are stepping up and trying to take care of people and give leniency on mortgages and rents and things like that. There's a lot of really great news out there about that stuff. But the problem is, is most of the time government doesn't take care of the individual. We just take care of the business. And and that's a big critique from the Great Recession. And that appears to be something they're trying to address here. So I'm, I'm pretty glad to see this. Um, Social Security recipients are also going to get it. Uh, these re- these reimbursements will go direct to your bank account if you uh, filed your tax return and uh, put your bank account on your tax return so that way they can send you your refund. 
the problem we're going to have is the people that don't have their bank account hooked up. I mean, it could be months before they get their check, which is really problematic. But how do you, we have 350 million people in America. So I give the IRS and the treasury credit in the fact that this is a monumentous task. I mean, you have, I mean, people that move every couple of, every six months and, and have closed bank accounts or whatever else. How do you find these people to send them a check? Um, and, and, and the IRS staff has been cut drastically over the last, particularly during this administration, but previous administrations as well, which by the way, I'm not saying is a bad thing because if you've ever been audited by the IRS, you'd want not a single person to work there because it's a pain in the ass. But the problem is they have a monumentous task now, right? So hopefully we will get that done. Um, there's also some really interesting things in there on, uh, withdrawals from IRAs, 401ks, different things like that. So my colleague, Ronnie Thompson, wrote actually a really good article on this topic. Um, it's it's on our website, fsgmichigan.com. Go to insights, go to blog. And so I'm going to read this, this section from his article. <clears throat> Coronavirus-related distributions. This portion of the account opens up distributions for up to 100000 from any all-qualified retirement accounts, such as IRAs, 401ks, 403bs. Prior to this act, the rules for these accounts restrict the ability to take taking funds from these accounts without incurring a 10% penalty prior to age 59 and a half in most cases, along with withholdings for the income tax owed. So what that's saying is if you have IRAs and 401ks, retirement accounts, you're not allowed to take out money before age 59 and a half without having to pay a 10% penalty and mandatory tax withholding. So they're going to withhold the taxes and you're going to pay a 10% penalty. This is saying, this act allows you to do a $100,000 distribution without mandatory tax withholding and without the 10% penalty if you're not 59 and a half. So huge stuff. Now you can repay it back over three years. So after three years, you you get the money back in there um, and, and you simply, you know, don't have to deal with the penalty. And you can spread the income out over th- uh, three years to pay the taxes on it. So, I mean, it's it's a really a pretty flexible thing. There's a lot of little details in there that go beyond the scope of this conversation. I don't think you guys want me to read IRS code over my podcast, but the gist of it is you can take $100,000 out of retirement accounts, up to $100,000 out of retirement account without penalty, and the tax can be spread over three years due to uh, this situation. Another big one, big, big, um, is required minimum distributions. So starting last year, it was uh, age 72, but prior than that, it was age 70 and a half. If you had an IRA 401k, you had to begin taking what's called a required minimum distributions. Basically, out of your retirement accounts, think of it this way, simple terms. You're over 70, you have a retirement account, you have to take money out of it every year. The IRS says, hey, you have to spend X amount out of your account. They don't care what you do with it. You just got to withdraw it and pay taxes. They're saying in the CARE Act, that's suspended. You don't have to do that this year. You don't have to take your required minimum distribution, which is pretty cool. Um, A lot of people don't want to take the required minimum distribution. They just want to leave their money invested and let it continue to accumulate. You can now do that. You can also pay back if you've already taken your RMD for the year. Which is, which is pretty cool. Um, maximum loan on 401ks, that's expanded as well. So uh, the maximum loan was 50000 Now it's $100,000. Um, there's a couple of tweaks there as well to make it more flexible. Um, charitable contributions. There was no charitable contribution uh, or charitable contribution deduction for 
people unless you itemize your taxes. Well, they added back in a $300 charitable deduction, even if you don't itemize, which is pretty cool. So they're adding that in there. And next thing, this is, I think, really big. And I think this will help when we get to the other side of this. We're going to get to the other side of this at some point. I don't know exactly when because I'm not an epidemiologist, right? We're going to get to the other side of this, and there's going to be pent-up demand in the economy. I can't wait to go out to a nice nice dinner, get a nice beer, and maybe, you know, then go out to the lake and, you know, fill up a boat full of gas and spend all day on the lake and, I you know, just uh, go visit the lake restaurant. I, I just can't wait to do all that kind of stuff. There's more pent-up demand right now than, than I, I've seen for spending a long time. Now, <clears throat> it's tough for a lot of people that, that are not able to work. I get it. I think some of these stimulus checks are going to help. I think we're going to need some more, right? But there's going to be pent-up demand in the economy. And some little things that we did throughout this CARE Act, and I think that they're also going to look at, you know, maybe – uh, some mortgage relief, maybe some some rent relief, some different things like that, that will also contribute to people not hurting as much during this, therefore having more pent-up demand when we're done. But this next one is huge. Student loan relief. So loan student loan payments are deferred until September 30th. Pretty cool of 2020. So you got roughly five months of, of no student loan payments. You know, for some people, that's that's like a mortgage payment. You know, I, I, know, I know people out of there that have huge student loan payments. Um, what else do we have? Oh, the qualified medical expenses list. So those are expanded for people that have HSA and FSA accounts. Uh, Medicare is changing different things that, uh, that it covers. So that way people have more things uh, might be related to COVID-19 covered. So uh, they're the first going to be eligible to receive the vaccine at no cost. Um, Emergency uh, medical Medicare Part D recipients get the ability to have 90 days supply of medications prescribed or filled for free. Um, telehealth services, so you know, digital doctor visits, uh, those are all approved now. Um, we have expanded unemployment assistance programs. There is an increase in payments. There's an extension of the benefit period. Huge stuff there. Now, the last thing, and probably one of other than the individual tax to consumers, is the small business benefits. So there's a lot of different rules and, and things in there, but I, I want to get to. I, I don't want to get to because it's just so granular. Go to the article, fsgmichigan.com, Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economy Secure Act uh, to read the, the details on it. But I just want to give it a high-level overview. So basically in this $2 trillion spending package, they set aside $350 billion for small and medium-sized businesses as a forgivable loan. So they're giving a loan of two and a, two and a half months payroll. Um, and what that is going to do is say, if you do, if you retain your employees, we're going to forgive the loan. So they're giving loans to small businesses. Don't lay anybody off. We'll forgive the loan. And it's like 1% interest. It's, it's amazing. I mean, this is such a great opportunity for so many small businesses to me, be able to rate, retain their employees, continue to pay them, not have to close their doors permanently. And is it enough? I don't know, but it's certainly going to help. There's big dollars there. There has been some problems on the rollout, but you give government organization two weeks roughly to put together the rollout of the $350 billion worth of forgivable loans. And there's going to be some bumps in the road, right? But I think it's really important that we're seeing this. So um, it, it's just it's a lot of lot of really encouraging things in there. I think Congress mostly got it right. 
I think that at the end of the day, we'll look back and say that the government did a pretty damn good job with economic relief. We can debate how well they did on um, on spending as far as on medical supplies and different things like that, how quickly we reacted. You know, I know there is huge problems out there with with uh, medical equipment, PPEs, and there's huge problems out there with testing, and there has been, and I don't want to get into that, but we did make some good decisions. You know, we shut down travel from China and Europe early. That helped. Um, we, we've got these stay-at-home orders, which I think are helping. A lot of things going on out there that I think the government is doing well. A lot of things I think they could do better. But <clears throat> overall, with this this bill, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, there's some bad stuff, too. And we can talk about probably in a later episode, we get through some of this craziness, we can talk about government spending and how I, I see that as probably a problem in the long term. But I don't want to get into that today. A lot of really good things in there. Go to the website, read the article. I think it's really good. It's got great information. Hopefully, not long after you hear this episode, I will have another episode coming out about the next next stimulus package that they need. I think the ultimate goal with this whole thing is let's get us through shutting down our entire economy for two months without plunging us into a great depression. That's the goal. And if the result of that means we have to put our government into our country into a larger deficit as far as our debts, maybe that's the cost we have to be willing to pay to avoid a depression. I don't know. But in the meantime, markets have started to come back a little bit. Hopefully that's still true by the time I uh, this episode launches. Markets are very forward-looking. They're looking at the end of this. They're not looking at what's currently going on. So I hope all of you are staying healthy. I hope you're enjoying. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this with a friend. Don't forget, we're on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you listen. That's where we are. Cheers and stay healthy. The topics that I discuss in this podcast are meant to be general information and educational only. I'm not giving you specific advice because I don't know you personally. In order to give you specific advice, you should work with an advisor or someone that can learn your specific situation and give you advice that applies to you. If I talk about a specific security, please keep in mind I'm not recommending that security. And don't forget, investing involves risk. When you invest, there's always the possibility of losing capital, which is why you should consult with a qualified, licensed financial advisor prior to investing.